Hello and welcome, as always, to the Gig Stories podcast with me, Alex, and him, Christopher. Him, who has just been to a gig at the Deaf Institute for the very first time to see Echo Belly, and you were there with your best friend, weren't you, Payne? With my best friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Christopher. Me and Muzzy. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, you will have heard regular view, regular listeners, not viewers. Regular listeners will know that Chris loves Echo Belly and has uh, seen them live. How many times? A few times. Well, a few times, but um, they're a special band to me because they played at my Freshers Week. So I'd I'd only been at Glasgow Uni for a few days before Freshers Week started. And I wasn't really blown away by many of the bands that were playing at the Freshers Week. We had um, Urban Species. Wow, yeah, I remember. Yeah, there's a blast. And then there was another one, uh, another one-hit wonder was um, Freak Power. I, oh, where was it? Brighton. I compared a family festival. This was at my sort of CBeebies peak days. And we had, if I remember rightly, Zingzillas, uh, where I first met Tom Gray from Gomez. Yeah. Uh, he came along with his kids and I introduced on yeah, stage yeah. Freak Power. <laughs> Freak Power. Brilliant. And was the was the lead because the lead singer trombonist as well? Huge, like 10 foot tall as well. He still had his fur coat and it was hilarious because I was like, Yeah, Zingzillas, Alex from CBBS, Freak Power. <laughs> Yeah, but also he wouldn't look out of place in Zingzilla's either with that massive coat. Um, but am I misremembering that he he played trombone as well? Or is that just adding to the? No, I think no, I <laughs> is that think just making right. it even more ridiculous. Because actually, his band are fabulous musicians, and they still play in various outfits. And I think you are right. He still, I think he plays a brass instrument. Right. Well, if he does play a brass instrument, then it's definitely the trombone. Yeah, and, and they were great. I wasn't really looking forward to, I wasn't thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm at Glasgow Uni so that I can see freak power. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all. But um, uh, Echo Belly had had a couple of singles out, and I was you know, listening to the evening session, you know, every, was it Thursday night? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, man, yeah. Wednesday, I, I can't remember what night it was on. But yeah, mass, I was a massive fan and I'm not even sure if the album had come out. Um, a I single. Had a cassette, I, like I had it. a single. I'm getting a Kiss album this oh, week. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah? Kiss albums. Who's releasing Kiss albums? albums? So I bought, uh, sorry to bore you, Kiss Umbach. A Kiss Umbach. <laughs> <laughs> I... I bought the new, uh, or one of the packages for the new Sam Fender album, and it was CD, or special right. edition uh, CD, cassette album, mm -hmm. cassette album, and, and a signed beer mat, which is, which is in the post. But yeah, ca cassettes, kids, that's the new retro thing. I've, I've sent a few um, of my mm. favourite cassettes to my friend's daughter, because it's now the cool thing. They're all wearing Walkmans and listening to cassettes again. I know that makes me feel old. I mean, uh, that makes me feel really old. Well, like that, that is retro. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh no! I will see well, I've got a retro. print of cassettes. It's a, it's an art, it's an art piece on my dining room wall, and it's cassettes that my uh, wife did for me, and it's got uh, songs that relate uh, to various things. And then um, I remember my kids, you know my kids, and they just looked at me and went, "What is that a picture of?" And I just went, "Cassettes." Mm. And, they, and George was like, what are they? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh my God. 
Yeah, but then if you try and describe it, so it's like a small thing about the size of a pack of playing cards and it's made of plastic and inside yes. it, it, there's this kind of ribbon and it's wound and if around If you want to save yourself wheels, time, you put a pen in it and, and you spin it round to rewind it to save, to save the batteries on your Walkman. Yeah, and if you want to record on it, you put some blue tack in the and little, in the the little gas on the top. If you don't and, want to record it and write on it, do not record. Do you know what? This is, I don't know yeah, if this absolutely. I don't know what this is, but being the person that I am, I'm going to claim this as a very working class thing. So Father Christmas would leave a pack of blank cassettes in my stocking. And that, that was a massive treat. I was like, oh, yeah. blank cassettes, yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and then you would record the top 40, the Christmas oh, top yeah. 40 on one of those blank cassettes. Of course, yeah, of course, that. that was a present from Santa. That. Anyway. Absolutely. So I come back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're really showing our age here, aren't we? Oh my God. So anyway, Echo Belly. Yeah, they played at the QM Union, the Queen Margaret Union, Glasgow Uni, um, and that was September, September '94. So quite early days. And then I, it just blew me away. And they were kind of my band. Um, and part of the reason was because I was on my own, really. I didn't really know anyone in Glasgow and kind of they were a bit of a, a comfort, really. Um, and I'm sure lots of people, you know, lots of kids when they went to, went to uh, university for the first <laughs> time as he wipes away a tear, um, you know, but did find a little bit of solace in in music and the radio and um, you know, obviously pre-internet and then going to going to starting to go to gigs, you find a tribe. You've got a ready-made tribe there, and we've talked we've talked about this on the pod before about there being, you know, you go to a gig and there's a ready-made tribe for you. You don't know anyone, but you've got something in common in that you're facing the stage and seeing you you know all all experiencing the same thing. So, so yes, yeah, so I went straight out to, um, it's called De Corsi's Arcade in Glasgow, just off Byers Road, where I used to buy all my, my, my gig tickets and bought my first gig ticket um, on my own. Um, and it was Echo Belly at the garage um, the following month. So uh, it was, I think it'll be 20, 27 years next week Great. that I saw them. Uh, I know, God, that's a kick in the stones, that one, isn't it? It is. Um, but yeah, so I, I saw them a few times, but um, the most recent time was at um, the Academy when they were doing one of these, um, I think it was Starship. A few indie bands on. Um, indie bands on. But this was, this was the Deaf Institute, wasn't it? Yeah, and as I mentioned on the previous episode, I've, I hadn't, well, I hadn't even been there, but I, I certainly hadn't photographed there. And um, Isn't it fantastically unique? Yeah. It's great. That's not a backhand compliment. It's it's like no other venue. It's fabulous. No, great wallpaper behind the you know behind the stage and um, yeah, just really intimate and um, and then I looked around a and realised it's like twenty foot tall. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite quite tall, quite high, yeah. um, and then kind of rate seating at the back, which was a, mm. a surprise. Um, so yeah, and yeah, and then in the balcony, and he's there for every single gig of the Deaf Institute. Was <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I didn't find out. I I saw somebody up there, but I couldn't make out who it was. But um, yeah, I found. Yeah, we found out uh, afterwards that yeah, Stephen Patrick was there, which is hilarious because that night around the corner in uh, the Albert Hall, the Blossoms were playing the songs of the Smiths with Rick Astley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, you know. 
I don't know what that means. Was he just being a little bit mischievous and going, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, you know, a headline to compete with that? Was he trolling the people of Manchester? So I want to know if Morrissey just was secretly, I can't remember the name of the street that the Albert Hall was on in Manchester, but I wonder if he just walked up and down there all day. Yeah, I think it's Key Street. (laughs) I think it's, is it Key Street? In case people saw him, oh my gosh, he's here. It's not, Rick Astley actually means, it's an anagram for (laughs) Morrissey. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> did you see any of the footage of the, of the the gay club? I did, yeah, and I, I don't I don't know what I think. All right, I think it's that's that's useful. I think it's, yeah, <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. See, but... I I love I love his I love his voice. I love Rick Astley's voice, and oh, I, I love, I love Blossoms, yeah, and I think the two to, and I love the Smiths, and the three of them together create something new, and I actually like it i like it i don't think yeah Ooh, i i like, like it. it yeah <laughs> just no i do i do um i i think i would go and see that uh, yeah i'd go and see them live again i think so i i for me it's harmless fun there but you go all i want to know all i want to know is what is that flipping backstory johnny ma teasing a lot of us saying yeah no I'm totally fine with it but there's a backstory he said that and then he didn't tell us what the backstory is so what is it was Rick Astley supposed to be the original lead singer of the Smiths was was Rick Astley the reason the Smiths broke up because he got off with Johnny Marr I think the Smiths had split up by the time I mean Rick Astley was still making tea for Pete Waterman at the time that the Smiths uh, broke up is Rick Astley Morrissey well, maybe we'll never know. Have you? Have you? Oh, let's move on. Oh, well, on. you've not seen them in the same room at the same time. <laughs> but you have that. seen them in the city, same city at the same time. Wow. <laughs> anyway, good on you, Rick Astley. What? A, and he's a lovely guy. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. So, on to this episode. And this is a, another wonderful blast from the past. And from a band that I was fortunate enough to see just... Uh, a couple of years ago at Tim Peake's Ken McCauley. Oh, yeah. They mentioned that, don't we? Yes. They they were performing. What a fab, what a fab gig and what loads of fun. I think I throw our guest, Mandarin, lead singer, lots of compliments uh, in this episode. And I meant them all because they they were totally unique, this. I I don't even know who I would compare them to now back then and they just came they, they came from wherever they came from and it was like who who are these and it was it was just genuinely fun i saw them a few times and it was it was a laugh and i think people think that that's um rude of me to say or is not a compliment but it is because there was a lot of indie schmindy taking themselves seriously and lots of foppishness and then bis came along with this sort of space pop rock and it was just like about laughing and 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 pogoing around and it was great and and mandarin as you will soon hear is a, a fantastic guest and it's a fantastic person it was really interesting talking to her and finding out that she's very much in in certain ways like you and i she's a fangirl we're fanboys and she's actually a fangirl and that's how it started for her the music. yeah and she she still is as well that is hilarious to me as well that she is still a fangirl and goes to stage door to give CDs and cassettes of her music. It, that that is, and I'm, I'm not going to say who because that'll, that'll spoil it in the interview. 
and she just loved her music and loved her live gigs and was like yeah I want to be in a band so taught herself you know to play something and got in a band I mean we'll mention it we mentioned it in the podcast but I I saw her at Tea in the Park um in 95 96 that was a cracker but we we do talk about that so i'm not going to say any more about that we're going to shut up and please welcome today's guest it's mandarin hello and welcome indeed to this episode of the gig stories podcast and this is very exciting today's guest is dj artist singer uh, keyboardist player type thing and you will know her from Biss the kitchen and also her solo work um, you might know her from We Badgers and being the owner of Two Child Pests it is <laughs> <laughs> it is Mandarin Mandarin how are you I'm doing good thank you the pests are out the room so I'm hoping <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm all right thank you and it's a pleasure to be taking part in a podcast like this about gigs and live music when at the moment everything's a bit chaotic and people don't know what the hell they're doing so it's nice timing actually to be doing this. I think maybe it was easier about a year ago when we knew nothing is going to happen at all. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the boot has come down, nothing's happening. Now, oh, it feels like it's kind of getting back to, no. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> no, it's a pleasure to have you on. And, and, and it's a nice, it's a nice reminder. Although I saw, I saw you a couple of years ago, uh, you and the boys played uh Tim Peake's Diner at Kendall Calling, and that was just fantastic. But also, it's a nice blast from the past because I was lucky enough to see you quite a few times back when we were all oh, really? oh. much younger. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, you know, recent times, and it was great to see to see you in 2019. Dare I ask what's what's going on? Since so since those days, um, yeah, we we had a, a kind of hiatus and we started a different band, Data Panic, which was still the three of us. We just started something different for a, a break with a bassist and a drummer to try it out. And then we went back to doing this again, which made so much more sense. And <laughs> there's a, a Glasgow label that offered to put out a new album for us, which we did, I'll be two years ago now. And we were really happy with it actually, because it was just like, it was like classic this, but current. So in a way it was kind of perfect and it was good for the fans that hung around for us, but also good for people who didn't even know who we were. And they were like, whoa, who are you? So in a way it was kind of perfect. And they were working on another one. So so that's, that's where we are. And we have some gigs kind of penciled in for next year, but as you know, things are all kind of up in the air anyway, so. And are you looking at um, um, Scotland gigs to begin with, or are you you're going to venture? You're going to get yourselves a, a passport and come down to England. And... <laughs> yeah, well, the usual thing we do is our our classic three three gig trips every year, sometimes twice a year. It kind of works out the best with having kids and school and stuff. It's just these wee three day <laughs> trips. So we usually do a like Manchester, Nottingham, London, and then a Glasgow one. So we something something kind of like that. That we'll end up doing, I think. You mentioned the new album. Mm -hmm. When did that start? The, the one that's been out already. 
you said that you were just working on that second album that's been out. Was that before lockdown or was that? Yeah. During? So the, the album that we released with the label called Last Night from Glasgow um, was called Slight Disconnects. And then they said they want to put a new one out. And that's what we'd been working on. And we've got about 20 kind of working songs that we're just kind of going through and trying to expand upon. But we've not, the three of us haven't been in the same room for two years. So when I see John and Stephen at the wedding on Saturday, that'll be the first time we'll all have been in the same room. So that is a is a lockdown album. <laughs> well, no, it didn't. Well, it, it's not been recorded, though. It's just one that's kind of been, been chatted about and been worked on. But now we've not we've not recorded it yet. So I wouldn't officially call it a lockdown album. Yeah. We could still be in lockdown by the time it comes out, you never know. So Amanda, we're going to take you um, back in time, going to get in the time machine and um, just about when you were growing up, what was the household like in terms of music? What What would we have heard when you were growing up? And what, what kind of influenced you? So early days, I suppose, just getting into alternative music when I was at school. Um, I was loving all the, the Manchester bands. I was very, very into that. I lo- loved Spiral Carpets and Happy Mondays and Curve and Lush and oh, all that, the, all the kind of classic NME bands of that era. How did you get into that? Because often I find that people have a story. So I got into exactly those bands because of my older sister's boyfriend who lived in Manchester and he would travel to Cardiff to see my sister and he'd have this compilation tape and he had all those, all those bands that you named. He had the Mondays, the Lightning Seeds and Sparrow Carpets, the Charlatans. Did, who was your influence or where did you get those where did you get those sort of bands and songs from? Probably um, MTV and like Alternative Nation and 120 Minutes that I've been yeah. watching all the time. And I came across so many bands I've never heard of before and I was absolutely loving it. So then I would then relate that to the NME and say, oh, I know who that is. And this is on just in my early teens. So it was it was exciting. So I obviously couldn't go to gigs. That was kind of unheard of when I was still living at the parents pretty much. But no, it was, it was great. Because I remember um, bands like Daisy Chainsaw coming on 120 Minutes. And yeah. oh, yes. brilliant. I lo- when they, um, I love, 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 love all your money. Well, let's just go a bit further back. What was, was it a, were you from a musical household? Were your parents very much into music? Is that where you got your love of music from? Or did you sort of hone it, find it yourself? My, my, my dad liked music. Like they had a, a turntable and lots of seven inches. And I remember just going through them all and, uh, Memory to Smith's one, that's probably the only one that was kind of credible in his record Not collection. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like wow. with Glenn Miller, Lonnie Donegan, and <laughs> Dr. Hook. How did you how did your dad manage to have the Smiths? That's fine. That's, that's cool. I'm saying that's the only one out of a big box of really, really like Hazel Dean and all these other ones that he had. Um, that's actually the the only decent one. So yeah, that was quite cool. Um and then I'll just go to like Woolworths and go to the seven inch rack to 
to see whatever I could see. And I remember getting uh, when CDs had just were quite new coming out. Yeah. I remember going to Woolworths and I got a curve one. And it was just, it was really cool just to have something completely different for a change because it was just usually always seven inches. Yeah, I, I remember when, when CDs first started to take hold and it was I, I was really, <laughs> I was a CD skeptic I was like this will this will never last what, you know, what, the, what you mean these are going to take the place of cassettes <laughs> never <laughs> can you remember seeing and hearing I know this is a really random memory your first CD and this is for both of you because you had Whitney Houston the album what would have been her first album I believe it's a great I remember album. showing us this CD and me thinking, what is this? What is this? <laughs> but playing it and me thinking, oh my gosh, the sound is incredible. It's like <laughs> she's here. Cool though in a way, because it was very flimsy compared to like a, a nice thick record. And so, but I think it was just that curve one. It was the the first one that, that I got, I think. That, that, oh man, that's, I, that's too cool. That, that's far too cool. I think mine was Janet Jackson, <laughs> Rhythm Nation, I think. Or it might have been the Jackson 5, the best of the Jackson 5, which isn't bad. Well, I actually heard some Janet Jackson earlier on today, and I was thinking her, her late 80s stuff was knockout. It was really kind of, <laughs> it was quite weird. Do you know what I mean? In terms of how the song was written and arranged, and it was quite, you know, it was, it was, it was really different. Sorry, I'm going on a complete tangent, but oh, well, in, in fact, come on, Mandarin, you must have who who were the first who were your first favorite sort of music artist, or did you somehow just jump and start listening to straight into the indie? Like, <laughs> oh, I, it wasn't cool. No, it wasn't. It wasn't cool stuff to begin with. At all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was a massive like Kylie and Jason fan. My bedroom walls were all Kylie and Jason. It was that was. Big time. Um, then yes. went into a week, new kids in the block phase, yep. and then I can't remember which. What kind of was the transfer from that to alternative music? Though I'm not. I'm not really sure <laughs> where it was, but I think the first kind of alternative stuff was the the bands I was telling you about, the Manchester ones, and then I became a massive Jesus Jones fan. Yes. In a big way, early 90s, and was quite obsessed with them, actually. One of my biggest claims to fame was buying Mike Edwards a hat, like a skateboarding hat that I, went, that I wanted to give him when he played in Glasgow. And he wore it on MTV. No I couldn't believe it. Like, wow. it was utterly stunned. My dad shouted me down the stairs, and he was like, look, look. And he was wearing it. So that was a, wow. a big moment in my, my musical history. Well, that's like the circle of life. You know, you kind of, <laughs> you know... Um, you know, getting into these bands by MTV and then giving Mike the hat and you see it. I mean, it's this, it is the circle of life. Brilliant. I specifically remember buying International Bright Young Thing mm. and The Farms all together now. I bought those on cassette single on the same day. Wow. Um, and it was okay. it was on my way to a school rehearsal for a play. And I'd Aww. I'd pinched my sister's Walkman, and <laughs> I'd saved pocket money, and I had enough money, and I believe they were ninety nine pence each, and they yeah. were sleeves. Do you remember they were cardboard sleeves? Yeah, I remember that. And I had international bright young thing, and <laughs> yeah, the farm all together. Jesus Jones, that, was, that album, that debut <laughs> album was was a belter. Oh, liquidizer. Yeah. 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 
Oh, them, I had everything. I loved them so, so much. And the fact that they're still doing stuff is, is mm, just yeah. amazing. And yeah, yeah I think well, I'd love, love to go and see them again, actually. <laughs> well, a couple of episodes back, was uh, we, we interviewed James Atkin from EMF. And we, we were talking about Jesus Jones and that whole kind of, we, we hesitated to call it a movement, but the likes of Jesus Jones and um, EMF and, you know, it's um, you know, probably itself. And, um, but yeah, it did feel, there was a real sound flowered up, I suppose, was similar. It was that kind of, yeah. that mix between the indie grungy guitar sound with electronic and yeah. that, that kind of movement. Um but yeah, it was yeah. Jesus Jones were right at the, the forefront of that as well. Certainly in Britain, anyway. Because I think that was one of my first gigs. Actually, I think was it ninety one that Jesus Jones supported in excess. What? Uh, uh, SCCC in Glasgow. Now, I was only oh god, what age would I have been? About fourteen, maybe or something. Um, and I, and I just my, my dad queued up with me just to let me go in the door on my own. So I was just on my own at that age. But God, it was just so amazing to. Oh, uh, well, hang on. I've got a couple of things here for you, man. <laughs> your your dad let you go to that gig on your well, own. I'm quite, I'm quite amazed, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he he saw me in the door and he got me out the door at the end. But yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, but he, he had a Smith single though, so you know, I probably. He also had status quo and everything else, so he wasn't that cool. That was my first ever single, I have to say. Oh really? Yeah, Margarita time, status quo. Was that the was first, the one, yeah. First seven inch. Like a margarita glass in the front of the seven inch, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, but did either of you? Did either of you have to go with your mum to the status quo concert? tour every december that they would do no. oh did you oh this one oh, yeah and did you know that there's certain songs the status quo fans have choreographed dance moves to oh i'm, I'm guessing it's probably like line dancing yes. going around 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 oh yeah i was <laughs> like what is happening here but anyway back to <laughs> what you said is one of your first gigs and we're going to ask you exactly if you can remember what your first gig was jesus jones fantastic you saw in excess with michael hutchins yeah but you know that that didn't even mean anything to me at the time because i was just oh, jesus no. jones. i've got photos that i took of him on stage he had this um black and white big stripy suit on which i think i've seen photos of it yeah yeah around um so yeah it was quite cool you know later on just to say oh wow I have actually seen them I was just more excited I saw um, Ian the keyboard player from Jesus Jones was out in the big kind of foyer bit and I went and got an autograph which I still have to this day so I was more still got it you've still Mm -hmm. got that autograph yeah I took a photo of it and put it on Facebook and tagged him in it and he he liked it so that's (laughs) I'm a big fan girl of everything I like it so I'm guessing I'm guessing you do hang on to all your all your stuff all your oh god I do yeah it drives a lot of people crazy but a lot of the best fans really love it when I came out with all this weird stuff I'm like look what I found no I love that can you remember then 
And do you know what? You've, you've totally mentioned something that I'd, I'd written a question about because I'd, I'd written and, and I don't like just to try and push or forcing questions that I prepared. But I just had an idea because of how you were as a band and because of because of the fans you had, like uh, one of my very best friends who got me into this, Gary, it was a, you had a specific fan and it seemed like all of them were really hardcore and it was the audience was just full of fanboys and fangirls and I actually wanted to ask you what kind of fan you were and you've, you've actually <laughs> you've, you've answered it just through talking about Jesus Jones and and I love that you were obviously really passionate about your bands at a really young age then oh very much so it was um yeah so me and my friend my best friend Leanna um we went on the hunt trying to find where Jesus Jones would be staying when we're coming to Glasgow <laughs> for that tour. And we were actually going into hotels and pretending that we were from a newspaper to see if we could get them to answer if they were staying in that hotel or not. <laughs> and then um, I remembered a Happy Mondays video that I had that talked about sound checks and that bands did a thing called sound checks. So we thought, uh-huh. oh, let's go to the Barrowlands and see if we can see them sound checking because we're not getting anywhere with this hotel thing. And they were, they were there. And there's a, do you remember the band Sunscream? They were supporting Jesus Jones. So they were having their, their dinner in the the kind of foyer part. And we went in and I said, I had a present for them and it was so scary, but that was exciting. (laughs) And then they gave us a pass to say, if you want to come um, backstage afterwards, which is very exciting for we were then 15 years old, which is a wee bit dodgy-ish, but it was it was good. I love that. So can can you remember what was your first gig? The first, I don't even know if I call it a gig, first thing I went to yeah. was with um, my mum and then my best friend Liana with her mum was in Edinburgh. There's a Stock Aiken and Waterman tour. Oh my gosh, that is a banger. And it was Big Fun, Sonia, and I can't remember who the other bands were, but it was the Edinburgh Playhouse. I'm I'm going to say that's solidly 1989. Oof, okay. That sounds quite, that's probably kind of right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's sounding... When you, if you were going to say Kyrie and Jason, I might have said 1988, but you chucked in big fun there. And... <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I think I think you've nailed that, Chris. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check this. <laughs> that is so that is so funny. What do you remember? What do you remember of that that concert? A lot of screaming. There was just lots of people <laughs> just screaming and screaming. And then uh, Jason from Big Fun's mum was in the row in front of us, which we found quite exciting because we'd never known someone that's semi-famous his family before so <laughs> that's my first experience of that kind of thing. <laughs> and that was Edinburgh Playhouse did you say mm-hmm. it is was. it what what kind of um what kind of venue is that how big is that it's like a kind of theatre kind of place um so it, it's an old theatre sort of proscenium arch stage kind of thing, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a proper right. kind of It's kind of place, palace, yeah. like the Palace Theatre in, in, mm. uh, oh, Manchester. in, in Manchester. So I've okay. seen a couple of things there, but I've never seen a band there. I saw, <laughs> I went to see Cats um, there cats? with my parents. Cats, C-A-T-S. Oh, cats. Oh, cats. Oh, cats. No, not oh, cats. I'll be honest, I'm not sure which is worse. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think I might edit that one out. Yeah, let's take that one. 
out. <laughs> and um, and the other one was what's the other one? Sean Hughes. I went to see Sean Hughes. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I've never seen a a, a, a band there. And so, when did uh, music as a performer kind of creep in? Were you were you playing music at school? What was what was the deal? What were you? Yeah, I didn't I didn't play anything at school. I was always into the idea of it because my my dad had a keyboard and just kind of played by ear, so I would muck about on that. But I never did anything else. And then I got to know that two boys, John and Stephen, were in a band in my in my high school, and I really fancied Stephen like so much. And in my usual obsessed with music fans kind of thing, I would um, we found out where where they lived, and they invited us into their their house to hear them playing some music, and we couldn't actually believe. We're so excited that we'd been invited to these two guys in a band from the school, especially because one of them was a guy that I fancied. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> so then I ended up dating Stephen, and then the band happened. So it was pretty cool because I got invited along to their rehearsals, and they wanted to expand because it's just the two of them that were in the band, so it wasn't a very full-on sound so they asked if I wanted to play the keyboards that Stephen had been playing at that point and if I did that then it meant they could have a second guitarist so that's where it all stemmed from. So are you telling me that you learned to play keyboards just to be in the band? It's, well kind, kind of, kind of. As I said I'd been kind of mucking about when I lived at my parents just because my dad had a keyboard so I'd always been into the idea and although that I can't play it properly I could just I can memorize stuff and play by ear. So, and is that how you learned? Yeah. <laughs> so for the best that you just played by ear and literally just learned it like that, mm -hmm. and that's how you would play each song. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cheat. I'm not very good at it, so I just remember. That's that's incredible. <laughs> it's not really. It's that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's daft or if that is like the most talented thing ever <laughs> yeah i'll be in your band yeah okay i'll just learn this and there we go well paul mccartney can't read really? music yeah so anyway yeah that's my go-to <laughs> i mean he's done other, he's done other stuff in his life don't get me wrong <laughs> um, but but yeah i'm pretty sure that is that, that that's straight up he doesn't you know he doesn't write things down he doesn't uh, any any of that he doesn't really read music is john so. and stephen's mum's a piano teacher and right. she offered to, to show me some stuff. And I was actually doing really, really well with it, where I was doing reading music and playing with two hands. And then I just completely lost it and don't remember anything that she showed me apart from what the, the letters of the keys are. That's it. <laughs> so <laughs> it worked though, because John Stephen just needed an extra pair of hands in the band. And I didn't, so I didn't sing when I first started with them. Yeah. And even doing gigs, all I did was play keyboards that was it and then I decided to I, I wrote my own wee song that I thought was just for fun and I did it on a bass which I don't even play play bass and that ended up being the first seven inch that we put out so hey. I got really excited that I it was my silly song idea that got the first record so <laughs> remind me which track that was I was kill your boyfriend and you wrote that on a bass, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was that quite is, weird. <laughs> that you don't play. <laughs> that is amazing. What was what was the boys' sound like when you joined? It them? was they're really really good. See, they're both proper musicians. Like 
very, very good, scarily good times. Um, but when I listened to their tapes that I, I bought, I bought a demo tape for £2 <laughs> off them at school. Um, <laughs> it's got a kind of baggy sound to it because, again, they were into all the Manchester stuff. So it's quite okay. strange that it's a bit like that. I'd say the biggest thing to compare it to would be more like New Order or maybe Adam the Ants. It was a bit more like that, I suppose, which is always good. Right. But I, I love listening to it, though. I, the thing I really loved and, and genuinely admired about the three of you was the sound, was your sound. Actually, was your look, your aesthetic, your sound, <laughs> and where you came within, you know, music music history and what was going on at the time you absolutely stood stood out you were there on your own I'm not even sure if pushed I could think of anyone else <laughs> that I would I would sort of put in in your genre and I know there was lots of things thrown around disco pop and and this by the way is a massive compliment because I think it, it takes it, it takes something doesn't it to be able to do something different when you know, the rest of the world is going Britpop crazy oh. or, or whatever. Was that a conscious decision or was that from the three of you, the influences that you, you know, your own personal music influences and what you were, what you were bringing? Yeah, I think it is just that because the three of us do like quite different stuff. Um, it needs to be mm. even like maybe more of similar stuff than John, but John... Has always been into kind of XDC, Gary Newman, um, two tone stuff. He brought all that to the mix. Oh, really? And that mixed with me getting into all the Riot Girl bands, it just you come up with something really quite odd. I think we are a very odd band, and the only other odd bands I can think of are the people we were compared to, like B52s and Devo and stuff, and. That's good comparisons, mm. actually, because it's, it's bands that we hadn't even heard of at the time. Yeah, I'd not heard that before, but that makes absolute sense. Certainly, um, Devo, absolutely. With that, that kind of little touch of chaos going on, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, I love Devo. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. I'm, I'm pl I've been playing a game in my head here, thinking, okay, I've got to think of someone, I've got to think of someone. And I'm not, I'm not sure I can, because it was so... <laughs> It was so different. Click, uh, can you remember Clinic? Either of you? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they weren't around long enough, were they? No. Oh, do you know you are absolutely right. What a perfect way mm. to sum them up. They weren't around long. Yeah. But not even them. Not even them, because you were that sort of that disco pop, and I think that's what I think that's what the indie kids really, really loved about you. Because all of a sudden, in the indie club, you know, there was just two of them that I go to in Cardiff. <laughs> there was something different that wasn't the Britpop or was, I don't know, when they'd have your half hour, which included Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana and <laughs> Beastie Boys. You did bring that, 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 that something. You bought glitter. That's what you bought. You <laughs> bought a real sparkly <laughs> smile, which just wasn't supposed to be cool was it with the indie alternative kids you weren't supposed to smile you know <laughs> supposed to be a attitude so it was um it it was fantastic can, can you remember your first gig as yeah this? it was at the it was called the 13th note which is at a different venue now but because that was the time where I didn't sing with the band and I was incredibly shy like 
really, really shy that I just set up my keyboard behind a, a big pillar <laughs> so that they couldn't really see me. <laughs> was it the club down? Was it the club downstairs? It was, yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, but um, I, th I think for that one, it might have been up the stairs because it was gigs up and down. But yeah. you did both. And I'm not sure if that was an upstairs or a downstairs one. But yeah, it was one, one of them. <laughs> That was a good venue. That it was quite quite an odd one to play. I I I played it with a band that I was in in ninety seven something like that, um, and yeah, it was it was quite odd because people could hide around the corner and chat. We we played one gig there where we were on as there was like a kind of a well, what it was a cabaret. So Michael Redmond, do you know Michael Redmond, uh, comedian? Yeah, yeah. He was he was in Father Ted. He was the the grumpy. Oh yeah, old, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, so he he lives in Glasgow, but he he did he did a, a stand up set and we we played after him I think. And, what? Um, yeah, but it was like a comedian, and then there, there was us, and then there was I, I don't know I can't remember what else, but um, <laughs> but yeah, but people because it was so weirdly set out, you had these pillars and then places around the corner. You had people around the corner who were just chatting because they couldn't see mm. what was going on. So he was trying to chat over. The, he was trying to do his his um, performance over the sound of these people just chatting and catching up. It was really <laughs> odd. I mean, the, as a band, it was fine because you just drowned everyone out. Mm. But um, but yeah, it was it was quite an odd one. It's a good venue though. Um, yeah. Is it still there? So the, um, the one we the thirteenth note moved to a different venue, which is now opposite where Mono is. It's a better place I suppose but the place right. it turned into was it's called Bacchus now and I think that's right. still called that um but yeah it was a it was a good one to do if you're but I wasn't even 18 like we weren't even meant to be in there in fact the three of us wouldn't none of us were 18 because amazing in fact John would only yeah. have been 15 John's 15 I was 16 and Stephen was 17 so young. wow <laughs> so what year would that, that have been? would be 90 93? 93 going to 94, yeah. It'd be 93 to 94 when we got together as the band, but for doing a gig, I would guess maybe more 94, 95, probably. 94, 95. Yeah. yeah, so I've got a feeling it would have been maybe 96 that I would have seen you in Cardiff. We're narrowing it down, Alex. It's, yeah, we're I'm getting, getting there, there, man. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. So when when did you start... Did you enjoy those that first gig or first gigs or... <laughs> Or, or did it, you know, were you a, a shy performer or were you straight away, oh, yeah, this is what I was born to do? I was so shy, like so, so, so stupidly shy and didn't drink so that I had nothing to kind of um, make it a little bit easier on me. So I was so nervous, like really, really nervous. But the two of them don't get nervous a tiny, like not in the slightest, not a tiny bit. So when you're on your own, feeling like that you feel like you've got no choice but to just kind of get on and do it and in a yeah. way it does kind of help you where you're not really getting sympathy for it you're just kind of like on you get on you go <laughs> so yeah it did help I think they really did help me get better with it because when people at my school heard that we were on top of the pops they're like what her like there's no way <laughs> she's really so stupidly shy yeah I, I remember the well, the janitor at my primary school thought there was maybe issues at my at my house because I was so kind of shy and funny, like no. quite weird. So, 
because was was your first your first appearance on top of the pops was that with candy yeah, pop the, the two appearances were both candy pop the first one was as an exclusive and then the second one was when it charted yeah i was i was wanting to ask you about that because I, I i watched it today and um oh did you I, I, yeah and I, I love i god i loved top of the pops so much <laughs> um and what one of the things that i loved most was the fact that it was all based on who was doing well in the charts or who was thought to be on the potential you know on the on the brink of doing well in the charts and so you'd have all these massively different kinds of bands on you know just thrown thrown together i was just wondering what who else was on that that episode of top of the pops when when you were sometimes it mixed up between the two episodes but um i think it was was mn8 who were introducing us and gina g she was on it gina g Uh, gary newman um gary newman Oh, so didn't you say one of the boys loved Gary Newman? John was a big, and this is before we toured with Gary Newman, um, so that'd have been quite exciting. Uh, Cast, they were on it. Um, Take That were at number one, but theirs was just a pre-record thingy, so their names were hanging up in the wardrobe for their suits, but they weren't there. It was from a a previous time they'd been to record. Um, so that was lit, that was early 95? March 94. March 96, I think it would have been. 96. Yeah. I, right. I just passed my driving test on the 20th of March. So it was just after that. Amazing. I'm I'm sure I remember that performance and I remember the haircut. I'm gonna sound like a freaky stalker. <laughs> Were you wearing a silver dress? No, no, the dress was blue with wee hippos on it. Oh. And the second appearance was a pink, a pink dress. Oh, I'm I'm sort of actually glad because if you'd said yes, then I would have I would have sounded like I a... did have a silvery dress that I did wear for gigs though, so maybe you're thinking. Oh, that. maybe that's when I when I saw you. a very fun confident female vocalist in front of me so are you are you saying that that was that was a lot of effort for you to put on and it, not an act I, I, I don't want to say that but you're telling me you were so nervous and shy mm-hmm. was it was it did you have to work at putting that because because from my point of view in the audience you you were like super <laughs> confident fun so was that a, really? was that a hard thing it's lovely to hear you say that because I never thought for a second that I came across like that. I always thought I looked, I looked uneasy, and it's maybe that, that when it, when you do shouty kind of songs that you kind of get the release of that the nerves, I suppose. But I suppose it's when you get the nice response from the fans and they're really loving it, it spurs you on and it makes you want to do better. Do you think it helped that you had the? Um... The, the keyboard in front of you I mean I, I as, yeah. a sax, as a sax player I found that um even though the sax is not massive it still felt like it was protection as if the audience was going to attack me but you know what I mean you just feel like there's a buffer in between you and them <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah. it was perfect because it's right at like tummy height and you just feel a wee bit hidden and then if you've seen us live we sometimes swap positions on the stage yeah, and when yeah. I go to the center I feel like 
I feel so exposed and I, I, I just can't wait to get back behind my keyboard again. Do, do you know what? I think I'm, I'm, I'm more shocked about this than with any other sort of musician guest that I've seen because genuinely <laughs> I, I, I never saw that. And really? all I saw, yeah, all I saw was sort of, I would have said, disco pop riot girl because because it wasn't it wasn't sort of riot girl in the traditional sense because you you just had that slight slightly more glittery uh, disco-y edge which was fun and so you always just seemed like yeah you were having fun and that not once did it cross my mind that you would you were painfully shy and that that might have been difficult for you as a performer so I mean take take that as it comes but I I, I mean you know I, I I genuinely mean that they were great and they were just fun really fun gigs oh that's so nice to hear oh but then when all the criticism started and people people were being really really rude and nasty and throwing things that's when it does get a bit a bit weirder and you do get a bit moodier perhaps but there's also so many nice, nice fans that you, you, you have to always play to them. How did you cope with that? It's not nice. It's not nice at all, but there's nothing you can do. I, like when I had, you know, a pint of beer thrown at me on stage in, in Wales, actually, I went out, I was mad, I went out going, like looking for the person. And there's really? several times like that, that I've been furious, but you, you don't want to ruin the gig or storm off stage because... That's ruining it for all the, the cool kids that are there. You remember that was Wales. Do you remember where it was? Well, at Newquay. Really? What was it your was it We're your gig Fighters. or was it a festival gig? What's the what? <laughs> Supporting the Foo Fighters. Because mm-hmm. we toured Europe with them. Right. I don't think I remember. In fact, no, I don't. Really? Yeah, I I do oh. not remember that you supported the Foo Fighters. Oh, they're so nice. There's so I just watched that Nirvana documentary last night and just seeing Dave grow, he is just that nice, nice guy. He walked into our dressing room and gave us kinder eggs. He's that nice. Oh, well, I watched um, the, the the one that was after that, the the uh, Dermot O'Leary one where he, he showed Dave grow loads of videos. Or was that the Nirvana one? No, there, there was a brand, there was a new it was a new Nirvana documentary. It was, okay, it was Nirvana in Britain. Okay, well, this one was, I think it was the same night, and it was Dermot O'Leary. He was sitting in an empty cinema, and Dave Grohl was on the other end oh. of a phone line, well, on a Zoom call, basically. Yes. And they were yes. looking at videos, and it, it was gorgeous. It was absolutely <laughs> lovely. Um, and he just seemed like them. And if you put that documentary alongside the YouTube video of the young drummer, what's her name? She's about. 10 oh yeah that, oh, that just played with the Foo Fighters San, is she called Sandy so, something like that so, yeah oh, I can't remember but anyway just my heart was bursting out of my chest at the end of it so um Aww. yeah they, so so it's not a front they're just lovely fellas yeah really really love it you should get him on this it's the kind of podcast he'd probably really like yeah well we should get dave Grohl on this dave yeah. there's a key when i was when i was on cbb's the and i know they're still doing it now the one person that we were trying so hard to get 
uh, to do bedtime stories was Dave Grohl. Oh, God. <laughs> In fact, Ben, who the presenter Ben, he he actually replaced me. He's a massive Foo Fighters fan and he is oh. still, and I see him occasionally tweet Dave, Dave, please, please do the bedtime story. Because <laughs> they've had, they've had Josh Homme, which is just bonkers. And, you know, and so I'm like, come on, Dave Grohl. Oh, so that, that, that warms my cockles because a lot of people just, it seems it's quite cool to not like the Foo Fighters because they are middle of the road rock. But I tell just me who they are, and I will fight them. Oh, there's lots of them. them. There's <laughs> lots of them. But the Foo Fighters, uh, and I do think there's something linked to Nirvana because the three of us—that's our age—and you know, I was left with sadly with a Nirvana ticket. They would have been playing Cardiff uh, International Arena or the Ice Rink two weeks after he, he sadly lost Aww. his life to suicide. And so I think it meant something to us. I think it meant more. And so when when Dave came back with the Foo Fighters, it, I saw the Foo Fighters supporting the Prodigy. Now that, uh, that is one of the greatest gigs of all time. It was, it was honestly immense. So oh, wowzers, wowzers, <laughs> you've hung out with... Do you have any other Dave Grohl anecdotes that you just want to share with us before we move on? <laughs> I can't think of any. He's just so nice. Are you still in contact with him? Does he want my children? <laughs> I, do you know, I'm not even in contact with him anymore, which is a shame because he's such a good guy. Oh, but there is a, there is a wee story. What was it? Um, yeah, was it the Prodigy Tour? Yeah, it was the tour with him um, and the Prodigy. And Stephen from the band was at the side of the stage and he turned to he, he said to the crowd this this was for for Stephen and was praising the band with Stephen just at the side of it so that was a cool one. Wow! I was just in the audience so at that point I, didn't, I wasn't at the side of the stage which is unlike me. You were at the Foo Fighters Prodigy gig, mm-hmm. so ca- can you back me up on this? That the Prodigy <laughs> and I've said this for uh, forever and a day. The Prodigy were are and always will be one of the greatest live acts ever ever they're bloody good they were our kind of semi label mates because they were on beggars well xl with beggars banquet and so was with beggars banquet as well so um i got their autographs not in not like it wasn't me that went to get them i get given them so that was quite cool i like pop star stuff <laughs> i love that Do you have fond memories of yourself and the boys, you know, up and down the country, gigging? In a, were you in a car, a van? What were you in, the three of you? So in the very beginning, it was just a car with just the three of us and we and Stephen drove. And then we <laughs> upgraded to a wee tiny shitty van. <laughs> um, <laughs> upgraded to a wee tiny shitty van. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. But that's what we did the Super Furries tour and it was this wee shitty van going to travel lodges um, while they had a nice kind of sprinter or a splitter van. Um, so that was kind of kind of weird. And at the start of the Super Furries tour, this is when me and Stephen had split up and it was not a good time for us personally. So we oh, hated dear. each other's guts. So that made it interesting as a band who's getting the biggest opportunity they could ever get of getting your first big tour and then you get Top of the Pops and then two of the bands are 
absolutely hating each other and fighting. So that's interesting when you're in a tiny wee band. I can imagine, my God. Mm. Yeah, we had some interesting, interesting times on tour with that. <laughs> and that literally did coincide with the the trajectory going whoop. <laughs> It made the songs get angrier. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of fire in your bellies. That's what you needed. <laughs> so, we... <laughs> I'm actually quite amazed and quite proud that we got through that. It's just yeah. quite amazing that we're all at best of friends and it's, it's brilliant. Well, you, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And let, I'm just going to doff my cap to my fellow countrymen, the Super Furry Animals, one of the greatest <laughs> bands oh, ever. Oh, lovely. It's just um, unbelievable. How do you describe them? It's, it's crazy. If someone's never heard the Super Furry Animals, how do you describe <laughs> them to someone? Not, not a clue. I just, no. I love those boys. They're they from are. space. They're from space. They, yeah, they're, they're brilliant. And, and that was a perfect pairing, by the way. Biss and Super Furries. It was a good one, actually. It was really good. I love seeing the, the photos from that tour because they had a big, massive backdrop with their logo on it. So that's in the background of us on stage at all these these gigs that we did. So Brilliant. good memory. Well, well, that's a good pairing. Uh, sorry, I think we should crash on into the quick fire round. But yes. I am, I'm, I'm going to ask one question, just leading on from what we just talked about. That was a great pairing, Super Furry Animals and Biss. And <laughs> so I, I love... I love when bands get paired with bands because maybe they're stable mates, you know, they're, they're label, they're label mates and, but they don't really make sense together or, yes. or bass who follow or are followed by a band, which is completely weird. So have you got uh, any examples of, it sounds like a job interview. Can you tell me when you were in a position where, um, you were followed by a band or you had a band before you that were come, kind of completely off the wall and you couldn't work out why they were why they were there. We've toured with so many, so many bands that doesn't really make sense. Um, but that's <laughs> the thing with us sounding the way we do. You can kind of put us with a lot of different bands, whereas not a lot of people could do that. Because um, in the beginning, we get put with people like Yola Tengo and then yes. Super Buddies. But then we did Foo Fighters, we did an Ash tour, we did the Cardigans, we did Gary Newman, we did Sleater Kinney. Um, <gasps> wow. And then there's odd ones like uh, we did a couple with Sebado and Pavement what? in America and Royal Trucks. So there's a lot of weird ones, but those bands couldn't all play together, whereas this can kind of connect the dots, yeah. I suppose. It's quite strange. Yeah. How was how was Pavement in America? Oh, that was actually quite, it was quite good. Um, yeah, it, it was quite good, actually. Um, they played really big venues that wanted to charge for selling t-shirts and that's something i was so so against and didn't want to put the prices up and they wanted to charge you to sell your merchandise uh-huh any band that want like so if, even like these days if we want if we were the support band and we were at the battlelands they would charge us big big commission to sell stuff and these places wanted to do the same which we just weren't big enough to do so we were out the back door trying to sell it to fans out the back <laughs> to avoid putting the prices up so yeah that's bonkers. And what about at festivals? Um, I've got one in 
particular which which i i've actually written down a mismatched lineup uh yeah interesting lineup okay yeah. come on i'm interested to hear this well i'm just wondering if you if you can think of bands that were kind of memorable that followed you or you were before oh um we played tea in the park one year and we were just after dog star keanu reeves band oh god that's quite an no! <laughs> right for you it's listeners Chris had written down Dog Star and he just lit, he, he'd not shown us and he just well, revealed it. Well, I, I was there, I was there, I saw that. You were oh, there? You were, yeah, I was there. The park. Wow. Yeah. That's when I got my, my famous photo of me with Keanu Reeves. That's one that I show to people to this day. It's so cool. I'm quite obsessed with getting my photo with famous people. <laughs> that I've got I've got something that's vaguely related to that Mandarin. Okay. <laughs> You've got Keanu Reeves and I've got his Bill and Ted partner. So please tell me you love Ooh. the Bill and Ted films. I do I don't even know them that well, which is quite bad. What? You took the Bill and Ted films? Yeah. Oh come I, on. I have seen them, but I'm not I'm not as crazy. No. I'm so sorry. it was it was Keanu Reeves <laughs> and Alex Winter. And so because I've got the S on the end of my name, Alex Winters, on, he would he would sort of send me messages that he would receive from mums and dads of CBeebies, like CBeebies mums and dads. Aww. And he's in America and he's like, what are these messages? Who is this? Who's this fella? And so he'd send these messages to me saying, I think these are for you. And so we got to know each <laughs> other. And we actually, we met in Manchester two years ago at, when at a Lost oh, Boys They got... <laughs> That yeah, the Lost Boys film, the whole cast reunited, and let me just say, for a cult film, they have only ever that cast gotten together or reunited once, and that was two years ago in Manchester, England. How bizarre is that? Why did no one think to get them all together? Including what's his face, Mister Saxophonist, who I have since you know found out played live with Tina Turner and and things for years. I just thought he was a perhaps an actor dressed in leather just for that film. But anyway, I digress. So I've got I've got a picture with Alex Twinter and you've got a picture with cool. Keanu Reeves. Well, I, can, can you remember much about Dogstar? Because I I don't think they were that bad, but I feel I felt like the crowd were they were they not I can't yeah, remember. They were not good. I don't remember them either. I saw them the same summer in Glastonbury. Yeah, I just remember the crowd were not the most forgiving. I remember basically everyone calling them dog shit. And it, <laughs> it wasn't, I don't think that was fair. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, but it's a tough crowd, tea in the park, though, isn't it? Tea in the, tea in the park is, yeah. I mean, if they love you, they will absolutely adore you. But yeah. Mm, yeah. Once again, he was another really nice guy, though. Honestly, I, I can't think of yeah. any other Hollywood star I would rather meet than Keanu Reeves. I, mm -hmm. I get the impression he's an absolute sweetheart and a talented yeah. musician and all that. I just think that the crowd, bec only because he was a, a, a Hollywood star, gave him a rough, a, a rough time. But yeah. I can't remember what the band was like. So, did you have time to chat to him then? No, it was a, apart from getting my photo, nah, not really, because we were we were going on straight after them. I didn't really get a lot of time, but um, I think he got a different toilet, which I was really envious of. They got a nice, there was a nice cubicle all made up. Like, it looked what, just for Dogstar? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Manic Street yeah. Preachers got absolutely hammered for that one year, didn't they? By really? Bragg. <laughs> yeah, by Billy Bragg. <laughs> Which is funny. And he, yeah, and he, he just dug a hole and that was it. Keeping <laughs> <laughs> so, it real, Billy. <laughs> so let's let's get into this quick fire round. Oh yeah, that I forgot the about longest, that. That's the longest segue into a quick fire round ever. The yeah. irony is not I lost. I had to ask, I had to ask. Okay, so then. Here we go. Just some quick answers on these ones. And we always say this. Who is your favourite artist or musician to see live? Mm, Blur. Oh, Blur. Their last gig I saw was one of the best I've ever seen. So, yeah, Blur. I wish they would get back together because I've never never seen them live. What? No, never seen them live. I, um, I don't know if I drunk too much of the uh, no i drank too much of the oasis kool-aid um in 94 to 97 or 96 and then missed the boat with blur and now i would probably rather go and see blur oh my gosh those tours yeah were incredible i've seen damon a a few times but um (sighs) um, what's your favorite venue oh um i've always been a big fan of king tut's wawa hut in glasgow um, I suppose it's because you see all the new exciting stuff, like when Elastica came, and that's probably one of my first ever really good gigs there. Um, and then when you're small, there's a seated bit that you can get, a, you can stand on top of and see, you can see better. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of King Tut's. I've always had a lot of respect for, for Biss. And yeah, so, I don't know what it's like at the moment for them, but hopefully it'll all get back up and running again. So sorry, can I just take you back there? Did you say at that venue, if you're short, what 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 do you because because this is a problem that I've is that you what there's a place for you to stand on. Or yeah, you can if get you're small, you can assess these things out. There's a just a, a row of like a, a row or a bench that just in front of the stage. But if you get in early enough, everyone kind of runs to get to these seats because you know that you can stand on them when the band comes on. <laughs> Yeah, so. brilliant. I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but we, uh, my old band played played King Tut's once. And oh, I remember, wow. yeah, and it, uh, we supported Pram. I used to love Pram on Tour. Yeah. yeah, we supported Pram. And, um, but I remember that they had this thing where uh, on the tills, if you bought a pint or, you know, bought a drink, they asked you what band you were coming to see and they would put that in and then at the end of the night you would get a tiny percentage of the bar takings yeah I, I, I certainly we, we got that. familiar actually yeah and I've, I've never heard of it anywhere else but i i just love i love king tuts for that but you're right they had they they just had every but i i, I was looking through my old glasgow uni because i moved to to glasgow in 94 to go to university and in night, I think it was ninety uh, early ninety five. I saw Marion headline at um, at King Tut's, but the support was incredible. So they were supported by Pure Essence wow. and, and Catatonia. Then the ticket, the ticket, I think was four quid. But to see those three bands in that tiny place, it, it was it was uh, that's probably what made me love King Tut's was was a combination of the those two things. I adore oh. the place. Love it. I'm still yet to go to a gig there. I must though. Oh. I must though. <laughs> okay, on we go. On we go with a quick fire round. Quick fire round. Um, most memorable gig. 
that you've ever uh, and it can be as a performer or a punter whichever performer or a punter oh yeah. god <laughs> as a as a performer we were booked to play providence in america and we turned up and we were quite late to sound check and there was actually a, a bunch of people in already um it was only about maybe six or eight people and we sound checked we said like, they played about I don't know four songs or whatever and they were all clapping after each each thing we <laughs> and then after we finished they all left they all left like they thought it was the gig <laughs> John had to run out and run after them to say no that's not the gig come back <laughs> <laughs> and we still talk about this to this day, but they honestly thought it was that was it. So, my question is, how good were your sound checks, or how low were their expectations of you? <laughs> That's the thing. Like in a sound check, you're always just like mucking about and talking and whatever. They must have thought we were the, the crappiest band ever. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting the way they're. Uh chatting and interacting with each other and not the audience yeah, <laughs> i'm not very dressed up when i've just got out of a, a tour van and stuff yeah. oh i've heard this one before it's the one where they hit the snare solidly for a minute i love that one it's a cover this one one two one is that all right bob bob can you hear can you hear my vocals okay <laughs> brilliant so memorable yes no i can is, imagine that is excellent that is absolutely excellent i love that um, what is this? So, you, uh, what's the strangest thing a fan has done or has been? You know, you you must have some absolutely devoted fans. You've got quite a lot of devoted fans. Um, you probably heard the one already, but the big big fan who got tattoos. He's got our faces from the cover of Social Dancing on his arm. Oh, well, yeah. of course, so, yeah. Yes. So he's a big he's a big big fan um there was also on that 96 terry you're talking about super furries when we played at the lead mill in sheffield and a girl had got a, she'd made a dress for me out of just like um she kind of laminated bits of magazines and stuff and put an actual dress together which was stunning i've got i've got a photo of john wearing it actually which is <laughs> <laughs> quite funny but that was a that was a nice one did you ever wear it? I don't it? even know if I attempted to get into it or not. I think I was maybe just too embarrassed, but it's something I'll never forget. It's a, that's that's a, a good present to be given. Oh, that's no lovely. one's ever made me a laminated dress. I'll make you one. I'll make Thanks, you one. Thanks, mate. That's Thank all right, you. mate. <laughs> what comes to mind when I ask you about your worst gig? My worst gig? Probably that in Newport one with getting hitting the head with a pint and beer nipping my eyes. <laughs> it's about that, really. I'm not happy about that. I'd like to apologise. I was going to say you need to apologise. I should apologise on behalf of Newport. And that was uh, <laughs> Newport Leisure Centre, was it not? It would have been, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is this the famous <laughs> Newport Leisure Centre where a, a riot broke out because Ian Brown put a... Yes. What was it? A Swansea? Was it a Swansea top? No, he put a, a card, card. Yeah, card, yeah. He put a Cardiff City shirt on and all of a sudden the the crowds went absolutely bonkers. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that the crowds at Newport Leisure Centre, you know, they've got previous. <laughs> they've got previous. That's all I'm saying. I've spent a lot of time going to Newport Leisure Centre, Mandarin, going to gigs. And we would get on the train 
go to Newport, go to the gig, and get straight back on the train and go back to Cardiff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not much has changed. Not much has changed. So, <laughs> um, last question in the quick fire round. Um, so you sack off the other two members of BIS, um, and you can parachute into any other band. <laughs> Which band would you parachute into? Oh God. Ooh, I don't feel that I'm a good enough musician that I would want to ruin a good one. No, forget that. Forget that. You're not allowed to have any humility in, in this. <laughs> this. Humility is not welcome here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would like to parachute into Blur, I suppose. that Because it would be interesting. Um, yeah. What else, though? Yeah, oh, you get to play with Graham Coxon. Oh, that would be good. I did have a photo with him from years ago and I can't find it anywhere. And I got him a Blur record signed when they played at the Plaza in Glasgow, which I've still got signed actually. And I gave him a BIS demo. This is oh, before right. we've done a, a single thing. So oh, hey, lovely. You know, this is another wee story. <laughs> I, he's someone, I, he's a missed opportunity. So there are quite a few occasions where I just had missed opportunities where I really wanted to go and say hello to someone and ask them for a picture. But I was I, I was there as the bloke from CBeebies and Graham Coxon was there with his daughter Pepper, I believe her name is, and I was dying. But I was just trying to play it cool Aww. and didn't want it to be weird. And I still regret that because if I'd had gone up, I probably would have ended up being arrested. I'd have been hugging him, kissing him in the face, you know, all kinds. And that it would have just been horrific. But, you know, oh. Graham Coxon, that's a great one. Oh. Mandarin See, and Blur. Played, yeah. And he played that Barrowlands gig recently. I brought the best, best of double CD for him and I just gave it to the security guy and said to, to give to Graham. And he sent me a tweet. There's a tweet to me thanking me for it, which is oh. really cool. Oh. So I'm, I still get in there. I still do it. I am. <laughs> oh, that is. I love you. I love you. That is brilliant. I love you. John and Stephen have just had enough of me. I just embarrass us. <laughs> oh no, the fangirl stuff is great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? Now, we're coming towards the end, but our chat with you, I really want to know what your answer to this question is. You are curating your own festival. Okay. It's just a one day, but there's only four slots. So you've got the opener. So who's opening a festival? Who's then sort of got the afternoon? And then the third one is like the support slot. And then your headliner. Who's opening Mandarin's festival? Hey, well... A new band that I'm really, really into at the moment is Wet Leg. Yeah. Really love it. I heard them on Six Music, and then I realised that everybody's talking about them, and they're playing Glasgow next month, and I'm going to see if I feel confident enough to go to a gig by that point. And so I'd have Wet Leg open it, as because they just signed to Domino, I believe. Um, yeah, very, very impressive. Okay, nice. Wet Leg going to open. Belter. So yeah. it's afternoon. You know, who who's coming on now? You've had Wet Leg. Who's coming on now? There's a Glasgow band that I'm a big fan of um, called Slime City. Played with this a few times. Um, we had them support us in London. And they're quite Devo-like and quite like, bits of this type bits to them as well. But yeah, I'd, I'd like them on it as well. They're very good. Very, very good live band. I feel bad I don't know them. so I'm No, no, no. It's... Out. If I wasn't 
from Glasgow, I might not have heard of him. So. Okay, Slime City. Okay, so it's tea. everyone's had their tea and they're gearing <laughs> up for the rest of the evening. They've just been and paid £20 for their... Falafel. Falafel, falafel kebab. Who's really warming the crowd up now, ready for the headliner? Oh, God. A band that I saw... Oh, this is a tough one. Between There's two bands I saw just before lockdown happened, and I'm trying to decide who should get it. What <laughs> 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 One that I saw was a Cynthia Teeth. I saw they went to Manchester to actually see them. And they're yes. amazing, really, really good band. But the other band I saw was We Are Not Devo, the Devo covers band, and they were <laughs> fucking amazing. So I think I'd have to, I don't know, I'd, I'd have a tough toss-up between those two bands. <laughs> maybe maybe Sink Your Teeth because they're newer yes. and more females in it. So Correct yeah, answer. I love the fact that the Devo tribute band is called we are not devo it's just kind of it's that's very devo you know and can i just point out as well that we are not devo tribute band almost got the support slot in mandarin's festival not devo (laughs) (laughs) it's just because it was fresh in my mind having just seen them and they were so so good and the headliner are the clone roses It's actually weird for me to suggest a covers band as a, a festival thing, but if Devo 2.0 would be another option, though. I like that, I like that. So, <laughs> Sinky Teeth, yeah, good, oh, fantastic, love Sinky Teeth. In fact, Chris and I, we saw them, we saw them at MIF. Ah. Are you forgetting that? We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you had been off working, and that was the, that was the band who were on when you sort of joined me halfway through after you'd been photographing. Photographing, shooting. I've got absolutely no no recollection of this. Um, where where, where were Mandarin, we? He'd had a couple of shandies. Okay. How dare you? Very Um So, okay. So we we've just had sinky teeth, and now it's the headline. Unfortunately, unfortunately, blur are busy. Oh it's, no! Don't no, say that. No. So. <laughs> Busy. They said, no, can't be asked. Alex James is too busy making cheese. So who's headlining? Oh, that's making it tough then. Mm. Uh, <laughs> B-52s did their final ever gig, though. So I don't know if they would come oh, no, back. You can have whoever you want. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. But maybe if we offered them good money, maybe they'd come back. Maybe yeah. I'll go for B-52s. B-52s. Yeah. I like go. that. There we go. That was that wasn't as difficult. That's brilliant. See, I personally, I'd have the blossoms with Rick Astley, but you know, <laughs> you know, good answer. And do you know what? Um, Blur weren't busy. They're just really annoyed now because um, you've gone for the B fifty twos. But anyway, um, <laughs> blah. Actually, the cover band Blah were going to <laughs> we're going to headline. Yeah. That is a that is a great festival lineup. These are kind of quick anyway. Um, who do you really wish you could have seen live but you didn't get the chance to eh well when we're talking about Nirvana yeah that would have been a good one I was probably just too young to be into them when they were doing proper gigs so I'd see Nirvana then yeah and who do you really want to see that you haven't seen yet but you will you will eh Wet Leg I've not seen them like it So we, we're going to put some videos up on, because each each guest has their own page on our website. So we'll put a uh, Spotify playlist up 
but we'll put some videos as well um, of loads of the different bands that you've you've mentioned. So if Slime oh, okay. City have anything on on YouTube, yeah, then we're going to yeah. smash them up as well. Brilliant. But we do like to finish with a live recommendation. So we ask all our guests for a live recommendation. And now it started off as a live album, but it has morphed over the episodes and it can be anything live. So it could be a live album. If, the, if you have a go-to live album that you listen to, I mean, you mentioned In Excess earlier and that In Excess, Live Baby Live, I listened to that album over and over. And partly... Because when it kicks, when when it can, you can hear the crowd, and I used to buzz off that because it would, it was just, oh, you could feel the atmosphere through through the <laughs> headphones. So it could be a live album, or it could just be a live video or something that you you love watching that you know is is a go to, a recommendation for for us all to uh, listen to. I don't know if there's a specific one, but if you, I'm sure if you look. I would always watch um, Beastie Boys live videos. I think they're so impressive to see, and you can never go wrong with with a, a set by them. So I saw I them do that. sabotage at Tiernan Park, and it might have even been was oh. that the same one? That might even have been the same Tiernan Park. Was it not? No, it was two it years after that. That was ninety two years after, yeah. right? But the the the, the video of that at Tiernan Park is fantastic because I think STV did. Um, that recorded really? it so you, okay. you can actually see that one yeah, I was there but not in a band they we... they are have the, always been one of my favourites and Chris correct me if I'm wrong did James Atkin not say the same thing yeah the Beastie Boys live yeah oh really and and because I said there's 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 one bit of footage in fact I've watched the whole concert but when they performed in the round, the gig that they chose to video and use as like the official sort of live was the Glasgow gig. I was at that. You're kidding me. No, I've, I've still got my backstage pass for it. What, you were backstage? Oh, hang on, hang on. We're not ending this podcast yet. Mandarin, have you met the Beastie Boys? I was on their record label. Of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> We were they were swimming in my D's swimming pool. I've got photos of that. <laughs> John was jamming with MCA. That's the other cool photo we've got. Alex's as well. little face. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I literally I just don't know what to say. I was I knew on the same label, but I wasn't gonna just assume that you'd met the Beastie yeah, Boys. Yeah, we had to go in. And you've, you've not just met them, you've had like you've hung out with the Beastie yeah. Boys and had clo- close contact. Close contacts. <laughs> Next time we meet Mandarin, can I shake your hand sort of quite firmly? <laughs> just knowing that hand has shaken hands with all three of them, perhaps. Oh, it's so sad there's no MCA anymore, but again, lovely guy. I think I'm so lucky that all the, the bands I've met like that, they're all amazing people, really genuine, lovely people. And like even once we were on their label, they would still, like, I remember... Um, Adrock came to see his tramps in New York just off his own back and things like that it's just so cool and we did the what do you call it in the it's the big what's the big gig that they do in America Lollapalooza no 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 it's something like that but you just put all your South by Southwest no 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 you just put all your your bands on at a venue whatever it is we played the Grand Royal night anyway with um, Ben Lee and wow 
other bands that were on the label as well. Cool guys again. They are brilliant. As are you, Mandarin. Thank you so so much no thank time. you for having me it's been so much fun actually this this is the way i wish all interviews where it's so relaxed and fun talking about music oh, thank again you. thank you it's been a real pleasure it, it is and that's why we started we just love music and we are genuinely excited for you and i i hope that those pencil dates for bis next year become heavy oh, pencils. Thank, you. thank you for that thank you so much Mandarin, everyone, thank you so much. What a great guest. And before we say anything else, Chris, she's best mates with the Beastie Boys. Mm, I know. I cannot believe it. And I did not just assume that because they were label mates, that of course she's hung out with the Beastie Boys. I I just love how much of a fangirl she is about um, music. Yeah. And and I just think I fell in love with it because of that, because I just get it. Yeah. I get it. And she's just obviously loads of fun. No, she's a sweetheart. And also, um, if you are looking to print any badges, then mm-hmm. go on the Twitter and seek out uh, We Badgers, um, because that That's is man. Badger, as in the animal badge. Yeah. As in the animal. <laughs> as in the animal badge. <laughs> badger. Yeah. The animal badge. We badgers. We badgers. Yeah, that's her. We badgers. For all your badge making needs. I mean, that that sums up Mandarin, doesn't it? Yeah. She makes badges uh, as well as just, oh, she's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Mandarin. Yeah, so hope, hope you enjoyed that. And apologies to Keanu. Um, I hope we weren't too rough <laughs> on you. Um, I, I, I honestly can't remember if they were good or bad. So, and and you were very clear that they weren't particularly they they were not particularly amazing that's what i say yeah they were not amazing but it was so funny i i clearly remember the anticipation and feeling i remember heading over to the other stage at glastonbury and everyone around was going we're gonna go and see keanu reeves and it was pure novelty and i'm not sure that i felt that at glastonbury before because when you have other things like you know bruce Forsyth has packed fields and tents you know who you're going to see but for some reason you know keanu took it seriously he he loved it and there was just a bit of it was yeah it was funny and- yeah i think there was an element of people there wanting wild stallions and but i wasn't going to go on stage. no you weren't going to go on stage um, exactly, and complete the duo. Yeah, you've got one S too many. Exactly, Mr. Winters. <laughs> and that's a nice joke for you. That's listeners. a nice joke. Yeah. So tell us, Chris. We've got some great news, and um, we've mentioned it a few times in this podcast. Of course, we've mentioned our good friend and composer of the Geek Stories podcast theme tune, James. James Holt. Holt. Oh, talking of sweethearts. Um, yeah, he's a gorgeous man, and he last night. Um, he won the Tough Earth International Song for Kindness, um, which is, I just think it's a lovely, it's it's a lovely prize to win um, with his song Make My Day, which is just the most sun-filled slice of Lennon-McCartney joyfulness that you could listen to. It's it's really interesting pop song. It goes all over the place and, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the chords and and his voice is sounding lovely and um, so uh, it's yeah well deserved well done mate that's fantastic nice mate. James Holt we love you and and it's great and if again 
if you don't know James's music, seek him out right now. Yeah. Get to uh, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you listen. Go to his website. Yeah, go to YouTube. And also, because he, he has been recording a series of um, videos where he plays all the instruments and there's like five or six <laughs> Jameses in his living room playing playing tunes and they're fantastic they're really good he does a he does a crowded house cover yeah that i just love and it just reminded me how much i used to love crowded house and, and still do yeah so oh yeah check out james salt and i think we've got a little treat for our listeners at the end of this episode have we not yeah well i mean we normally play out with james holt um Exactly. With the theme tune, which doesn't have a name, actually. There's, I, well, or if it does have a name, then um, we don't know what it is apart from Gig Stories podcast theme tune. So if it doesn't have a name, and I'll, I'll check this with James, then maybe we need to get listeners to suggest what our theme tune is called. A name for the theme tune. A name tune. for the theme like. tune, yeah. You know, like how Mastermind, that, that um, the theme tune is called Approaching Menace. Oh, is yeah, it? It's called approaching menace. That well, you're just bringing back. In fact, that's that's so topical for me personally that I think you're doing that on purpose because you know some of you may may be aware that sadly, very sadly and painfully, I came second in celebrity mastermind uh, to Chris Packham, and poor Chris Packham was the victim of an arson attack this week. Someone burnt his front gates. And uh, someone messaged me saying, Winters, are you still bitter about losing to Chris Packham in Celebrity Mastermind? <gasps> oh, you were being accused of oh, arson. Really? Oh, mate. I mean, you are. You are still bitter, but you're not that bitter. I'm an ass. Yeah. But I'm not an ass. No. You know? Well, you know, so, send it. Packham, I... <laughs> <laughs> love love to Chris though because that 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 was awful he's, he's having a torrid time with some absolute arseholes the guy is a genius and I flipping love him um I don't know how we got to there oh that, that took a turn didn't it please contact please contact us on our social media Facebook Twitter Instagram uh, gig stories pod and uh, as always send us your questions and please subscribe to the podcast and give us a lovely review um, because it really helps us helps our placings and will help us with advertising and so we really appreciate it but now as always but different song we're going to play him out with james holt eh? yeah this is james holt make my day see you next time
望。